Hello and welcome to Talking Shop. I'm Alex Goy, journalist, Morgan owner and your host here to take you through some of Morgan's key moments, key people and biggest fans to get you under the skin of one of the world's most unique car manufacturers. Today's guest is photographer Amy Shaw, who you may know from creating some truly amazing images. Having originally shot to fame, simply taking reference shots for one of her dad's mates, Amy has travelled all over the world, shot some truly amazing metal for some truly incredible clients. Over the course of the podcast, we talk about her career, what kit she uses, how she does what she does, and some of her favourite cars. Enjoy. Amy Shaw, hello and welcome to Talking Shop. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. How about you? Yeah, not bad. You know, lockdown, world's on fire, just gesture, gesture around and everything is everything is spiders, but delightfully so. Uh, so Amy Shaw, you are kind of you 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 appeared out of seemingly nowhere a few <laughs> years ago is it four, four or five years ago now it's i mean officially it will be seven years this summer i think it would be uh yeah so it's been a little while now it's been a little while so your your first the the, the set of photographs that that pushed you into into the into the the, the public eye it was a, it was a replica ferrari that your old man had put together is that right Near enough. So basically, it's a yeah, replica Ferrari P4 that my old man used to work for the the guys that built it at like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something like that. And so they have been family friends ever since. And then they knew that I liked photography and they knew I had a fancy camera. And that was kind of it. They just said to me, oh, would you mind taking some reference shots for us just so we can look back of what we built and show other people? And I was like, uh, yeah, OK, never shot a car before. It's quite a pretty one. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and then, yeah, just kind of shot the car as I knew how to shoot people. And the pictures went quite well on the internet. Yeah, they, they ended up everywhere. Honestly, it was really, it was ridiculous because I was sat at my desk like the, the, a couple of days later and I only had like face, a Facebook page at the time for, for my photography. And I just kept getting these like pings saying, oh, you've got a new follower. Oh, you've got a new like. And I thought, huh, what? somebody must have shared something because this is happening way too much. And then within like six hours, I think Playboy's Facebook uh, page had posted the pictures. Jeremy Clarkson's Facebook page had posted pictures. And it just kind of yeah went boom. And I was like, oh, oh OK, then. <laughs> OK, I'm a thing now. Does that officially make me a thing? Am I a thing? <laughs> I became a thing for a little while. And I thought, how do I keep being a thing? I want to carry on being a thing. <laughs> And then so for, so so from there you you kind of you, you you kept going with it. How did you take the second step? Because after the initial boom, there must have been this thought of like, well, how do I how do I make this more of a thing? Well, exactly. And I had honestly no idea. Like I just graduated and in something completely different. And then I thought, okay, well, what is the only car magazine that I think I like? And it was Octane magazine because. <laughs> At the time, I wasn't a, like a massive petrol head or anything like that. So car magazines, some of them, especially if you're not that into cars, could be maybe a little bit boring. So <laughs> if, if cars aren't your jam, some of the automotive publications out there could be considered a little dry. Yes. Just a tad. So, yeah. So basically, I literally went into Sainsbury's and I looked at the shelf, thought, OK, Octane magazine. I've seen that a couple of times. Quite like the pictures. I'll email them. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did because in the in the front of every magazine you've got like all the uh, like details to get in touch with various people of the magazine so I thought well I'll just say hey I'll take some pictures of stuff and now cars apparently can I take some pictures for you and uh, that was kind of how it started but it was funny because that's not how like I didn't get a job from Octane honestly for about three years into my career and then I got my first job from Octane so uh yeah but they, they really helped me at, at the beginning of my career like, ask, like answering questions for me and helping me out so I really appreciate their their help but um but no, I suppose that the, the kind of the, the step two would have been um a couple of things my dad said you'll love the Goodwood Revival I know you like cars and specifically uh, classic cars and you like everything to do with atmosphere you'll really love the Revival uh, so yeah, he took me to that and I just shot the event for fun. And then uh, similarly to what I did with Octane, I just uh, sent the, an album of images to Goodwood's Facebook page and said, hey, 
just some pictures of your event. Don't know if you like them. And then it was about three months later that somebody by pure chance was looking after somebody's job whilst they were away and saw my message. And the member's like, hey, we've got this new event coming up called the members meeting. Do you want to come and shoot it for us? And yeah, it's those kind of things started. <laughs> I know. I just went in at the deep end, really. I thought, all right, what's, the, what's one of the best car magazines I can find in the UK? What's one of the best events in the world that I can shoot? <laughs> That's I'll like, start there. That's like Hollywood movie stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I, I shot this car as a favour to my dad. And then, yeah, guys from Octane started helping me out. And then Goodwood asked me to do a shoot. It was really weird. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was an absolute snowball. Because, um, I mean, the, the, I suppose the main thing is Petrolicious saw my uh, Ferrari images. And they were the ones that first said, do you want to start shooting some cars for us? So uh, it, it was those kind of three things that happened all at once. And... I mean, Petrolicious at the time had, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands or even millions of, of likes on Facebook. And I mean, this was all before Instagram really became a thing. And yeah, and I just thought, huh, okay, these guys seem like I could show my work to a wider audience and maybe see where we go from here. But uh, yeah, everything was kind of a, I had no expectations whatsoever of trying to be a professional photographer, let alone a car photographer. I was still living with, with my mum and dad and I was like, yeah, I've got not really got anything to lose. So I just kind of went for it. <laughs> let's let's see what happens because at the time you weren't so at, at at the time you your your degree was in silver smithery? Yes, that was it. So metals. I specialized in metals. <laughs> right. Okay. And 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 uh, you know, I was, I I I did some reading yesterday basically. Um and you you got yourself through your degree by doing wedding photography. Yes. So I kind of had a couple of part-time jobs. Um, one of them was a really funny job. I designed books. So people would give me a, like a block, of, like a massive, like pages and pages of text and loads of folders of images. And I would plunk them together in a program to make them look like the book that you see on your shelf. Um, and that was, yeah, that was one of my first uh, freelancing jobs. And then, yeah, weddings was the big one of where I learned how to take pictures, basically. And yeah. And then it eventually sort of cars became more of a thing and then you had to make a decision like which, which way is up, which way do I go? Exactly, yeah. So about two and a half years into into that, I was working way too much and I was like, I've got to give one of these up. But the, the thing about weddings is that they book you for like two years in advance, which is great because you know when your work is coming in and you're like, oh, this is good. But at the same time, it meant that the point where I decided to stop doing weddings, I had two years left of weddings to do. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine because they were all really nice and then I just got to kind of limit them as I went along but that that uh, well it's it's you know imagine how different it could have been Amy Shaw star wedding photographer rather than <laughs> Amy Shaw star automotive photographer well I mean if the weddings had got me traveling around the world in amazing cars having really wicked experiences I may have taken them up instead but it was the cars that kind of got me there. I mean, the weddings did take me around the world a bit, which is quite good fun. But um, no, the cars, I think, were always going to win. Really, yeah, I, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> frankly, I, I think you made definitely uh, the the right choice. So you you, you started uh, shooting cars and have now become kind of the car photographer extraordinaire. Have you always been a car person, or is that something that came with it, or how how, how have cars featured in your life? So I've always had an interest in cars, but I've also got a younger brother. And so my dad would naturally take my younger brother to race meets and bike meets. And I, as especially as a child, was not bothered. Couldn't be bothered about cars at all. And um, it was funny. So my dad has always worked in cars and had motorbikes and, and um, yeah, stuff like that. So it was when my, my brother passed his driving test, it was cheaper for him to get a classic Mini and get insured under classic car insurance than to take, again, you know, a, a 10-year-old Peugeot or whatever and try and get that insured. So once he got that, I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then, like, one of my really good friends also had a, a classic Austin something. And I thought, oh, she's really cool. I thought, yeah, I'm going to get a classic Mini. And then, I mean, I was going to get a Volkswagen Beetle, but then my dad was like, I don't know how to fix Beetles. Get a Mini, I can fix them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when I was 19, I got my, my Mini. And that's kind of like the most I was interested in cars. I really loved driving my Mini and I thought they were wicked, but I wasn't interested in, you know, when you go to like car shows and you have the, 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 the guys that, that have their bonnets up and they're just like, oh, look at my new shiny engine and all the shiny paint bits in it. Honestly, could not interest me then and not really now and now I would consider myself a, a lot more of a petrol head um 
yeah, I don't know. They're just the, 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 the side of cars that I, I love and I, I hope that a lot of other people do is not necessarily the, the technical side of things, but, you know, the absolute joy of either racing or adventuring road trips, you know, that feeling of a classic car and the personalities you get out of classic cars, especially that to me is what makes me into cars. Yeah, well, it's uh, for 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 a lot of people, it, it it is that kind of the the, the sensations they can provide rather than the uh, the under the bonnet stuff. I mean, from personal from a personal point of view, I have no idea how to fix cars. <laughs> I I just like what they do because they're fun. Um, so with your when you when you started shooting, you said you said you said you'd never shot a a car before. So how did you how did you go about doing it? And is that still something you do now or is that or has your have you moved on completely from that first shoot? So when I yeah, when I first shot that P4, I photographed it as I would photograph uh, people. So, you know, I was just basically looking for the right angles and colors and backdrop and shapes and I like the night before I did Google how to photograph a car like because I just thought I have no idea how you know what the rules are as such and everything I read I just thought I don't photograph anything like this I don't know if I should I don't really know so I just went into it and photographed what I genuinely thought I was producing nice pictures the guys that uh, that built the car um were like okay so usually we try and get you know a front shot a rear shot side shot uh, front three quarters rear seven eighths whatever and that was my basis to car photography from, from that point. And then, yeah, I kind of just shot it from what I, like, I didn't look at it as a, what I now believe to be a beautiful car. I shot it just as this shape, this machine. And and that, I think, I, I still try to do now. But the only problem now is that I've shot so many and I've now got an actual love for these things. I'm like, oh, is this nice? And then I try and, you know, I, I kind of slip, not slip up because I now go to the things that, you know, a, a car photographer would do normally if you really love a, a, the thing that you're shooting and I just think no I don't need to get the whole car in the frame I can have a nice little weird crop or whatever try and like mix it up a bit and make it a little bit more artistic so yeah I do try to remind myself of how I used to shoot now that I've got this this love for the for the subjects that I shoot I, I, I suppose the, the the added passion is is probably a good thing really <laughs> yes I think so probably it, help, it helps you you know enjoy what you do Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, for photography-wise, who who kind of gave you the the original impetus to, to get into it? Who whose work? Who around you? Who who got you into it? Who who pushes you? Who drives you? So, my I've always been artistic and creative, and I always thought I like when I went to university, I thought I was going to end up being a fine art painter or something, something to do with you know painting. Um, because my dad's a, an artist, he's, he's a watercolour artist, um, as well as a car fanatic, and he also likes photography, so very creative. And he's the one that definitely kind of showed me how to to look at what interesting light was. Like, we'd be on a walk or something, and then you'd be like, oh, look at that nice dark storm cloud with that, you know, beautiful low sunlight on those houses. And we, then we'd be like, yeah, storm cloud, dad. And then... But he was, I don't know, kind of appreciating the, the light and the colours and, and stuff about the world around us. Um, and then in terms of actually photography, I've, I've always been uh, really inspired by either um, celebrity photographers, just people who photograph the, the natural side of the, the famous faces that we know. So um, a guy called Harry Benson is a, is a big inspiration of mine. And then it wasn't until I got to university, started chatting away to, to some, some of the people like cars and stuff, because that's when I had my, my, my mini. And somebody was like, sent me a, um, a link to this album of photographs from a French photographer called Laurent Naval. And it was of Classic Le Mans. I think it was like 2016 or something. No, no, it couldn't have been. Anyway, earlier than that. And it was, um, yeah, he was, he was like, you really love the, these images because it basically isn't anything to do with the, the, the racing on the track. It's everything to do with the, the pits and the paddocks and the spectators and the drivers. And yeah, it was those images that I thought, oh, okay, cars can look interesting. And because, you know, it's like gloves on, on, on wheels or, or, you know, stacks of, of, of the tyres on the side. And I thought, ah, oh, this, is, this is how, you know, we should be looking at cars and racing because this is interesting. <laughs> I mean, at least to me. I mean, it's all interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that, that was the thing that, that drew you in. Yes. And, and inspired you and, and got you to do what, you, what you're doing now, kind of. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely those images, that set of images, um, 
I think, you know, it was the 2012 Le Mans, I think it was, classic Le Mans. And it was those set of images that made me really start to kind of process that vehicles could be interesting and not simply something to be sold. I think that was the main thing. Like, you know, if you look at some commercial images and they do the job that they need to do because they're showing the, that vehicle, but it doesn't show any of the emotional side of things to do with you know, racing or, or anything like that. So it was that album that, that made me think this is this is really cool. And he was, yeah, Laurent was probably one of my biggest initial inspirations. But um, otherwise, yeah, a lot of conflict photographers as well. People who never had the chance to stop and set up a lighting like system, I think would probably be some of my biggest inspirations. People who really had to think on their toes when they're shooting, um, yeah, with their cameras and especially those that used to have to shoot and film like man some of the old um like car photographers that you see some of their images like i think about trying to shoot that on film have no idea how they manage some of those shots it's so amazing to to, to see those images yeah because of course you can't review what you've done on a on a on a <laughs> proper camera you have exactly. to sort of wing it and hope for the best Oh, yep, that is my motto, I think, for my whole career. <laughs> Wing it, hope for the best, shoot from the hip, everything's fine, it'll be okay. Everything's fine, exactly. And then it, somehow it is, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like this. And then I've got better at winging it now, which I think is uh, kind of resolved in being a, a skill. But it start, definitely started off as winging it. Now, well, if it's something that starts off as winging it, you know, you've you've achieved so much. You're now a, a, a Nikon ambassador as well. How How did that come about? So that originally, yes, yeah, so the, the ambassador kind of role happened because I ended up getting loads of questions from people, especially on social media. And at, at that point, I was on Instagram and um, people were saying, you know, how do I, you know, have you got any tips to, to shoot cars or how do I start my business? And I was found myself like quite often just sitting there, you know, writing out these messages with these responses. And they were all similar questions. I thought, you know what, I'll just write this massive long blog post basically called how to be a car photographer I think it's called the, the giant how-to of being a car photographer and every every question that I got I, I tried to answer as, as best I could and in those in, in that basically I think the 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 way I tried to give as much information as I could and to help other photographers was the thing that caught uh, Nikon's eye and they that's what they said you know we, we're reading through that blog and there's a part where I kind of um I out you can have what in photography world we call anoraks where the people who know everything to do with the camera it's probably more than you know I definitely more than what I know about cameras but they they kind of are a bit smug about it or can be and it, it's like oh I know more about photography than you and that can really put off new photographers or people just tr simply trying to learn because like there's definitely areas in your your own skills you, you can't be good at everything in whatever area you are in um, so, you know, I, I feel like I can specialise in um, journalistic car photography. That's the thing I'm pretty good at, I hope. But when it comes to studio like shoots and lighting, that is a completely different skill set that I know much less about. And, you know, but I've got quite a good skill set of, of weddings. But it, yeah, it's the idea of being able to share those skills where you can and try and help others. And I think that is the thing that got, got Nikon's attention. <laughs> and so how, how, how many years have you been an ambassador for them? So it was in the end, so it was meant to be a, a two year, well, originally it's a one year contract and then they extended it to a two year contract and then they kind of had a merger and they're like, do you want to just stay for another year? So it was in total three years and it, pro it finished literally last week. So we kind of had an, e I know I had an email, I was, uh, I dropped an email, I was like, I love, I really love being Nikon ambassador, but it's been three years now. Is this, do you want to carry it on? And then, yeah, so then, I mean, now I get to call myself, you know how like former um, presidents get to say, uh, you still get to be called president so-and-so. So I can still say former Nikon ambassador or, you know, Nikon ambassador, whatever, but it's, I don't have to do any of the hard work now. Oh, that's excellent. That, that's, <laughs> that, that, that sounds like a massive win. Since, uh, well, it, 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 it's, it's been a week currently, but are you now, uh, are you now going to, uh, are you still a, a Nikon person or are you going to uh, experiment with other camera manufacturers? I'm definitely, I will still definitely stay as a Nikon person because you just get so used to the, the camera that you're using. And um, yeah, like I, I, the idea of moving on to something like, um, but any other camera company, I don't know, it took me so long to try and relearn the camera. And I, even to the extent of, I think my images would end up looking different because the edits and the grading that I like to apply to everything to, to show it's my work does look different if I put that edit onto a different camera's um, yeah picture. So when I used to shoot weddings, my assistant used to shoot with Canon. And then I would edit 
his pictures ready for the whole batch and yeah the, they just looked different in colors not not massively but enough for me to notice and I thought oh I'm not quite happy with that and I'd have to tweak everyone so no I think I would I, well, no I know I will stay with Nikon for sure and I mean I, I now will feel less guilty if I want to play around with a different camera <laughs> but uh yeah no Nikon will be the, the the thing I will shoot on probably for my life well that's that that's a commitment right there <laughs> <laughs> So what 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 is in in your kit bag? What what's your go to? Say you're you're shooting a uh, an event like Revival or like Festival of Speed. What do you bring with you? Uh, so my my absolute go to would be I've got a Nikon D850 and a thirty five mm lens. That if I can't have anything else, that will be the the the, the two bits that I will have for sure. Um, and then I also have a Nikon D5, which I will have an 85mm lens on. So basically my whole setup is two cameras, each with a lens on. And I have other lenses in my bag, especially during something like Revival, where you're running around all the time. I probably won't get those lenses out of my bag. I would literally just shoot with two lenses for the entirety of, of, the, of the shoot, of the weekend. It's, and you know, even most shoots that I go to, well, that will be my setup. The only time I might change is on road trips. It's always handy to have a wider lens. So like a 24 mil, because if you're sat in the car, it's, being able to kind of show the, you know, the interior of the windscreen or, you know, a bit more of, of inside of the car. It's that's always really nice to try and get. And then also at um, anything, any track events that, you know, you can't get very close to a longer lens is needed because you physically can't get to the action. Um, so yeah, but I mean, that's, they're, they're quite rare. I mean, they're, they're, that's, that's a good setup for, for, for road trips as well, a longer lens, because like many vehicles will be off on some long mountain road and you're like, oh, just stop here. And then you can get this long lens and get this beautiful, like, like squashed up shot of, of all your vehicles together. Or, um, yeah, but no, most of the time it is the 35 mil and the 85 mil and two cameras. Yeah. <laughs> that seems... That, that's that well that, that I, I guess that makes sense I know very little about photography well so. this is the thing so before I knew anything about photography I also thought like you know I, I shot a couple of weddings as a as the assistant and these guys would show up honestly with trolleys worth of gear and I thought wow that's what I need to be a successful professional photographer and it's so wrong <laughs> you don't need any of that if you don't want to shoot like that it's only you you only have to shoot with what you want to um yeah what you want to achieve and what you feel comfortable kind of using and yeah that when some people say oh you know don't you like especially when I showed up at a shoot and I was just new so I don't know how I would have would have been 23 something like that 24 and they'd be like oh is that all the gear that you've got because at the time I think I had one camera and one lens or two lenses mm. and I'd be like uh yeah and I could see that their faith in me just dropped and I was like oh, I really have to try hard now to show that actually you will be happy with the images. And honestly, they would then say how happy they were with the images. But to actually show up with not very much gear, and it's almost like you need to have loads of those gear to be a good photographer or, or considered a good photographer, which is totally not the case. Um, yeah, but it took me a little while to build my confidence about that because I was thinking, oh, should I get some lights? And then my brain would go, nah, you don't need them. <laughs> don't need any of that nonsense <laughs> just need two cameras two lenses and a good eye that's it that's all you need a bit of natural light <laughs> so this so with with your two cameras you've traveled everywhere and shot everything T tell us about some some of your favorite ad adventures ah oh, favorite adventures that's a that is such a hard one because usually when I'm living it, I'm like, yeah, this is my favourite adventure ever. And then I kind of have to think and look back and think, okay, which are the ones that really stuck with me? Like this this year, before all of this silly lockdown, everything, I had 10 days in the Arctic Circle up in Norway and, and Finland. And that was a wicked trip. So we were shooting for Porsche's magazine. And so the images aren't, haven't even been released yet. I've not been able to show any of them. And I won't be able to until this time next year, I think. And I know it's 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 so frustrating. <laughs> but I mean, we visited reindeer herders. We had food with like traditional Sami families. Um, we shot ice cross, which is imagine going down an icy hill on skates as, as fast as you can, trying to beat the guy next or girl next to you. I don't want to do, imagine that. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> no, thank you. It's, no, no. 
(laughs) Honestly, they are absolutely crazy, but amazing. And, you know, this is before we've even got to the car side of things of the ice driving and the, you know, the the off-roading kind of through snow drifts and all sorts. And yeah, that was a, a really, really cool trip. But then completely opposite end of the scale did a, a an experience with uh, Jaguar Land Rover where we shot in Utah and it was so hot and but again some of those images I'm really like pleased with just because the the landscape is spectacular and you get to choose being like kind of doing it for a shoot you're like yeah let's get up at sunrise and go out and do it and so you've got this amazing light and um, on that trip as well, I had Craig as my model, which is quite funny. So he's like on various like brochures of, of like a Land Rover's like experience. <laughs> um, so yeah, to be able to, being able to do that with him as well was a real perk. Um, but then, yeah, and I've not even gone on to road trips, actual road trips yet. Honestly, I, I absolutely love my job. It's <laughs> Each time I talk about it, I just think, yeah, I really like doing what I do. <laughs> So uh, you, you say uh, Craig, Craig is your model. He was your model for the set of images you did for Morgan. So if anyone yes. sees, <laughs> is it the 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 the, the three wheelers are very happy looking Craig in. So uh, t- tell us about that shoot. How uh, like what what did you guys get up to? What did you do? What did you play with? T- give us all the gossip. That's quite a good shoot to talk about, actually. So, um, you know, James is like, oh, I've got this this shoot I'd like to do with a three wheeler, and I think it was a four four or a plus four, and. Um, yeah, and he was like, oh, you know, I don't know whether we should get a model. And then at the time, Craig had broken his collarbone. He'd come off his motorbike and actually had a completely broken collarbone in that shoot. His 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 arm was not attached to his body in that shoot, which is funny. So, which explains why it looked so good just on the sill of the three-wheeler. Yeah. Honestly, if you ever see like a slightly, in, in the pictures, like slightly frowning look as he's trying to drive, it's probably because he's in quite a lot of pain. And he's like, I will keep going. <laughs> so but you know he absolutely uh nailed it he was he was so good and um and yeah and then we had that was the first time that either of us had driven three-wheeler at that point and we had such fun on that shoot that that weekend we uh, were going to a friend friend's wedding and she was also in the car world as well and they were like bring whatever car you want for for our wedding and so we said to james oh can we borrow the three-wheeler because it's such fun and we'll come and drop it off on monday and he was like yeah go on then and so we got to drive that home and it was Ah, uh, it's it's like it's like a motorbike, but you don't have to worry about falling off. <laughs> yeah, I I I I can agree oh, with that. I've not fallen yeah. out off of mine yet, so that's yeah. <laughs> just honestly, when you're in like you know first and that torque, and you can you often spin that back wheel, and you just ah, oh, <laughs> that smile I can see on your face definitely. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, if we if we could like. These because so, you know, I I said to, to to Craig I was like what's one of your favorite cars that we've borrowed because we borrowed quite a lot of cars and some of them you know very very cool cars and we could not decide between the three wheeler and the McLaren that we borrowed it was they were on a par I mean two vastly different cars one of them for example has a roof and doors <laughs> uh, the the other doesn't have either of those things it doesn't have the same amount of wheels either. Exactly. So completely, completely different, but still just the same amount of fun. And yeah, I think because the three wheeler as well is a little bit more achievable to possibly own at some point. I think that also adds to, oh, but that's that's a possibility. Like McLaren's like a dream car if we were in the lottery. But the Morgan is like, oh, but we could. Yeah. How can we do this? <laughs> how can we do this? You, you, you play the auto trader game of like, if I, <laughs> it has the finance thing underneath it. I'm sure I could. Yeah. I th- I'm, the maths. Exactly. But I mean, at the, the, at the moment we have, I think it's seven vehicles. So yeah, it's kind of like, okay, what would we swap or sell for that? Could we? And the problem is we are so attached to all of our vehicles now. I don't think we could get rid of any of them. Really? So what 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 is in uh, your garage right now? What have you got? Oh, so we've both got our classic minis still. And so I've still got mine from 10 years ago this year it will be. And uh, Craig's got his from, yeah, which is his first car when he was 17. Then our <laughs> our, our long distance journey is our Land Rover Defender, uh, which is... A car notoriously good on long distance <laughs> road trips. Really comfortable, <laughs> really efficient, really fast, quiet. All of those things. Yep. 
<laughs> but the good thing about it is that it's at the minute we've kind of converted it to be a pickup truck because I would I've always wanted a pickup truck. So this is kind of like itching that 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 desire I've I've wanted for one for a while. Um, you can also get a motorbike on the back so we can carry the bikes around. Um, which was also a definite need. When other cars break down, which they do, we can tow things from it. So uh, that is a definite, it, we use it as a workhorse. Um, and then the vehicles that will probably break down, we've got uh, a 1934 Model A hot rod called Old Red. Ah, this 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 is quite a famous car. I've seen I've I've seen it lurking at Vista. I think <laughs> oh, much much earlier in the year. I think I was up there for 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 a reason, or maybe the end of last year. Um, and you've taken some quite stunning images of it. Yes, it has appeared in a couple of my shoots. Uh, one of the best ones would have been um, uh, the watch brand that I'm an ambassador for, uh, called Farah. They wanted to kind of uh, reproduce the feeling of beach racing, so we took um, Old Red to Pendine. And basically, I got to shoot, and there was a guy videoing, and that was yeah, just some of the images from those. Uh, I'm really pleased with. It's actually you know my, my foam wallpaper background is one of the shots from from that shoot, and uh, yeah, that was a really fun yeah fun day. But um, I, I mean the newest addition to the family is a 1927 Austin Seven Chummy, which is the most ridiculous noddy car ever. It goes about a maximum of 40 miles an hour, and I don't think you would dare go any faster because like you don't you cannot drive that thing in a straight line you will constantly be weaving a little bit and any bump or a little bit of a camber in the road you will start going sideways somewhere along the way <laughs> the tires are so skinny they're like bicycle tires <laughs> why do, why do you own this thing this sounds ridiculous well craig uh, craig got it when he was trying to distract himself from his operation to fix the broken collarbone and he was like you know what i want a chummy and it's a, it was called a chummy because unlike you know, some of the Austin 7s, I think, um, are just two seaters. And then the chummy is four seats. So you can fit your chums in the back. That's <laughs> so delightfully twee. I love it. And uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's funny because when it starts, it sounds like you've got, a, honestly, like a, a tin of keys. And you're rattling them as, as loud as you can. That's the starter. And then when it starts, it's like... Pop, 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 pop. So it's quite a little engine turnover. But um, yeah, it's, I've still not quite... I've not really driven a car that's nearly 100 years old that often. So I'm still getting used to it. Um, so I can go up the gears which is fairly easy. But then going, especially from third to second, I'm still getting my head around the double D clutch gas blip moving into second and braking and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He- heel and toe crossed with crossed with 1920s driving style, crossed with sideways bumpy car. That sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds really, yes. really fun. It's a little scary, I have to admit. Uh, but yeah, so that's where I get to stick to the, you know, the much easier, safer options of motorbikes. So I've got three, three bikes? Four bikes. Yeah, four bikes. And three of them in, in the house. <laughs> as, as ornaments or are they being fixed or, or what's the jam well, there? One of them I, I've got simply because I've always wanted a lounge bike. And so it was um, basically Craig and I walked into an antique shop near Goodwood and just happened to be in the middle of the room this BSA Bantam, it's 1960, I think it is, BSA Bantam, it's a post office bike. So it's bright red with these gorgeous massive leg guards with GPO written in gold down the leg guards. And oh, it's just such a pretty bike. Has, has, has it got the old meat cleaver um, front number plate on it? Yes, it has. <laughs> it has. So yeah, exactly. So I saw that. I thought that's that the lounge bike. That is the bike I need to live in the lounge. I'm not ready to buy one, but that I don't know when I'm going to find this ever again. And it just the circumstances around it was so perfect that I thought, yeah, this this is a sign from the universe. I will buy this bike. And it had been sat in a in an antique shop for about, I don't know, 10, 20 years or something like that. Just yeah, not doing anything. And um, yeah, we managed to get it started outside of this new antique shop. And we're like, yep, let's take it home. So that we have ridden a few times. And then it has now got a little issue where the engine seizes up and the back wheel seizes. So you'll be riding along and then it'll be like, Pss! and then your back wheel just stops and then you're skidding around as you come to a halt and you're like, hmm, probably need to fix that. I mean, in a vehicle or on a vehicle with two wheels, having one of them stop functioning as a wheel <laughs> doesn't sound ideal. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that has now just sat where it should have continued to sit in the lounge. So that's there. Uh, then we have um, the race bike called Bessie, uh, which I liked. It's a 1947 BSA. I think it's a 
B30. It's kind of a, a bit of a masher of a few things. So it was owned by a plumber at one point. So all of the like the fuel taps are all like plumbing taps. <laughs> so, but uh, so yeah, I use that to to race on uh, on beaches when Craig races the hot rod. So I race the motorbike, um, which is really good fun and a real test of confidence and, and your fear more than anything. Because when the sand gets all chopped up by the cars and you know many bikes after doing a few runs. When you have to, you know, hit the throttle in, in, you, in your gear and you're meant to shoot off the start line, your back end starts to slip and slide around in the sand and you're like, I'm on, this is fine, I'm still on, this is fine. And then you, you see the person next to you start to get a bit further in front of you. This is all, you know, slow motion in your head. And you're like, oh, got to make sure I'm getting off the start line quicker than that person. And so you don't really think about the fact that your back end's, you know, skidding around. You're just like, go faster than the person next to you. <laughs> Give it more beans, more beans. Turn up the plumber's taps. More beans, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're some of the, the, the great uh, machines that we've got. And then um, Craig proposed to me with a, a motorbike called, uh, which we've called Bo, um, which is another BSA, which is beautiful. It's an L31, I think it is. These are all very old and I've never heard of any of these before I owned one. So I don't expect to make these make sense of any of these. Uh, and then my daily bike is a 1972 Honda 354. Oh, um. <laughs> oh nice. You, you... So I love it. So th- there is no vehicle in your household kind of newer than 1980. Well, the Defender is, uh, you know, I think it's 2003. So, yeah, that's the newest vehicle. And that's our, the one that gets us everywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the oldest is, yeah, 1927. So. Okay, that's, that's, that, 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 that's, that's quite the gap. Bravo. So, yeah. As... But, that's, I, but genuinely, we, we honestly love classic cars. And this is what I, I, I mean, I love supercars and new cars as well, but it is the classic cars that make my heart sing, honestly. And um, yeah, so I can't imagine ever really driving anything else. I mean, there's but... been some new cars that we've, we've loved, but uh, obviously like the Morgan, for example, it has to be something like the three-wheeler Morgan or... I don't know, to, to, to make us think, yeah, this, this is what driving is all about. Something that looks old and requires grabbing by the scrub of its neck, but isn't necessarily yes. something from, say, 1927. <laughs> Spot on. That's exactly it. Because, <laughs> you know, a three-wheeler can go more than 40 miles an hour. I, that it can. That it can. And <laughs> I, I don't know how fast we ended up going, but um, not silly fast at all. But it was, I think that's the thing about three-wheeler. You didn't have to go silly fast to feel the thrill at all. So say, wind the clock back to proto Amy Shaw just before that first shoot. What what advice would you have given yourself? What would you say to someone right now who's got themselves a shiny new camera and gone, I want to be an photographerist? <laughs> okay, if you want to be an photographerist, shoot what you love and shoot how you want to shoot it. I think that's the main thing. Like the thing about photography is that we love photography. That's the first thing we, we know that we love. And then you have to love something else because that will become your subject. I mean, it's a bit of a weird photography inception if you were to photograph other cameras or photographers, which may be your thing. But usually you have a second passion, which is the thing that you end up shooting. So initially for me, I love people and people photography. You know, as I said, initially my inspirations are celebrity photographers and, and war photographers. And um, it's the people story side of things, which I love. And then cars came along and I thought, huh, I can get cars and people and their stories. And this is still a thing. So, yeah, I think for me, um, it, I, I realized my second passion of the automotive world of cars and motorcycles because of photography. So, yeah, it's if, if you want to shoot something and shoot it well, you have to really love the thing that you are shooting. That, that makes sense. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's not about the kit. It's about liking what you're looking at massively i mean honestly like i would love to see somebody shooting cars like purely on film again some people are doing it as part of what they're doing but just to shoot on film i mean oh i've forgotten the photographer's name there's a great guy that's somebody on instagram he's called lollipop magazine and he shoots formula one on this i don't know 90 year old camera you know the the, the wet plates and the you know the, the bigger i don't know my super super old cameras but you know old old cameras shooting some of the fastest racing in the world and or the fastest racing in the world should I say and it's yeah the images that he produces are beautiful and yeah I just think you don't have to you know he's not got loads of fancy fancy his fancy equipment but it's not modern new like tech equipment 
and he's just doing it for the pure passion of it and it, the images he produces are amazing so yeah there is no there are no rules to photography whatsoever so just basically go and have fun and do what you enjoy doing and there will be other people out there which also love what you are doing but can't be bothered to do it and will pay you to do it for them excellent <laughs> business terms for that business terms they can't be bothered so they will pay you to do it i like it it's it's it's, it's a good way to good way to live so what is your first post lockdown road trip going going to be what's it going to be in because i i you know i did i did a bit of a stalk and you were saying one of your favorite trips ever was just you and your mini in the scottish highlands are you gonna uh, recreate that in in the chummy or or oh. something else so that is an interesting one because the first trip that I will do after the lockdown lifts, um, I will probably have to go and actually make some money because I've had to stop all of my work <laughs> completely in this time. So my initial road trip will be something along the lines of a job, I reckon, um, which probably may not even be a road trip. It'll be some you know smaller shoots. Um, and then I've, you know, I've had quite a few road trips that were planned this year. And like one of them was meant to go along the west coast of Ireland with my family. Um, just before the lockdown and then we hadn't booked anything and then it just started to kick up and we thought oh is this should we book this should we not book this thank goodness we didn't um and then but then yeah this year I will have owned uh, the mini for 10 years so my plan is to drive uh, the mini called Mayo from the most popular populated densely populated place in the UK which is Portsmouth to and now this is the funny thing, the, the most remote place in the UK. But I had to make the... So I first started... This is the thing. There's not really defined most remote place because there is the remote, most remote place, but you can't get there with a car. You can only get there by foot. And so I thought, okay, well, what's the most remote place I can find that I could get to by car? And then you've got to define what is the, you know, the, the most remote. Is it the furthest away from another person or from a town or whatever? So I've decided I'm going to go to the most north easterly point of the Shetland Islands. So from port so from the, the bottom of the UK to the top of it basically. Yes, exactly. And I'd, I think I've I've blocked out two weeks in my calendar to do this and I you know what maybe I need to stretch it a bit further but I will have I've just had uh, my engine rebuilt by a chap in Suffolk called um Chris from Crafty Classics Tuning and he's basically I've told him about this I'm like I'm going to do this road trip so I, I think he kind of is like okay we 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 can make that work and so <laughs> when he uh, took my engine out of my my mini he was like yeah you probably only had a couple of hundred miles left in that gearbox so <laughs> it's a good job I didn't do it before Ooh, that's not good so yeah no, but now I've got this lovely shiny new engine that I'm yet to pick up because of lockdown. So I've not yet got my car back. Um, and then, yeah, I will be planning it and going as, as yeah, soon as I, well, no, not as soon as I can. As soon as I'm allowed would be something else. But um, no, over that 10 year anniversary, I will be on that trip. That's a pretty solid way, one, to kind of celebrate getting out of lockdown in style, but also to celebrate <laughs> owning a car for 10 years. I, I need to do that whenever I, one of mine ticks over 10. Um <laughs> So we have uh, a set of uh, questions that we try to ask everybody. Okay. Um, quick fire. So yep. wits about you. Uh, three, two, one, go. Two wheels, three wheels or four wheels? Two wheels. Auto or manual? Oh, manual. Naturally aspirated or forced induction? Ooh, naturally aspirated. Petrol, diesel or electric? petrol sorry i feel bad for the environment <laughs> says the lady that owns seven vehicles I, th I, I, th I think your allegiance to petrol is pretty much nailed there <laughs> uh what's the best road you've ever driven oh uh, Cross pass in scotland oh what's that like oh it's i mean for me it was my first like pass that i'd ever driven so it was the thing that really like it was dark and mysterious because it's often in cloud and so oh it's just beautiful and, and really like menacing to to see and then you, yeah it's not very many hairpins but it's just a like perfect for your initial road trip excellent and finally what was your poster car when you were a kid considering you weren't really into cars <laughs> this might be a little bit of a tricky question Man, um, I think it was. Uh, so my first postcard car would have been when I was about, I don't know, 16, 17, when I started realistically thinking about cars and it would have been a Ford GT40. So that's a solid shout. Have, have you have you been able to, to shoot one since? 
Um, I managed to shoot one whilst at Goodwood, but not as an actual shoot, which I would really love to do. Um, I think it'd be great fun. And um, no, yeah. So if you know, if anyone listening has got one, and um, I would love to have a shoot one. I mean, I did shoot a. I think it was a replica one, which I kind of feels like I've shot one, but it's not a real one. So <laughs> I want to shoot a real one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah, re- re- replicas are all well and good. Some of them are very shiny and lovely, but it's yes. it's not a real one. Yeah, no, exactly. I kind of I kind of want it to be golf colours because that's what was on my bedroom wall. Oh, well, so you come for one of the rarest cars in the world, and there's all like <laughs> seven of them in the particular colour combo. So if anybody listening has Just a Ford, a legit Ford GT40 in golf colours, um, that that would be great if you could just get in touch with Amy Shaw. Uh, That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Oh, well, because I mean, the picture that it was was it, I think it was two of them, two of the Gulf Duty Forties. I don't know if they're original or not in the picture, but and they were on this slightly banked track, or at least it looked slightly banked. Like, when I try and imagine it in my head, it may have just been the photographer bent his camera a little bit. But uh, <laughs> it was yeah. I just remember this uh, like low sun and this back on, the, on this shot, and yeah, it was a beautiful shot. I thought, oh yeah, that's an, that's a nice looking car. <laughs> that's right that'll do i'll have one of those when when i'm old enough to drive i'll have one of them instead that'd be great that'd be great um so uh one more before uh we will let you get back to to lockdown joy in the middle of the country Uh, i've got quite an exciting uh, thing i'm doing at the minute i'm going to be taking my race license so i've actually all day been looking at how uh, learning my flags oh the flags (laughs) the flags test what does blue mean amy shaw uh it means if it's static or waving uh oh waving waving it means that somebody's faster is coming up behind you and you should let them get past you what does it mean if it's static i've forgotten that oh wait uh let me look at my notes because I, I only <laughs> thought there was one blue flag that's why i went for oh that it's one. just somebody is trying to is just somebody is is faster than you behind you and then i think waving means you know don't Do, be a, yeah don't, whatever's <laughs> don't be a person just let them go you are <laughs> yeah. you are not going to win this you have neither the yeah. horsepower nor the talent um, just just let them go let them go my favorite flag uh only because i see it so often so I'm not a racer um so yeah well one kind of uh big final question yes you've shot hundreds of thousands of millions of cars by now uh you've been you've been around them in some way shape or form for a very long time so what are your favorites what's what, what's kind of the top five amy shaw these are the best cars ever love them to bits Okay, top. That's really tough because you, we, we all know that if you, if, if I ask you the same question of the, oh, what's your favorite car, it'd be like, well, what's the situation? Am I road tripping? Am I, I, I don't know. Like, see, whenever anyone asks me, they, because they, 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 they find out that I muck around in cars for a living, I go, oh, so what's the best car you've ever driven? It's like, well, there's a few. There's like the <laughs> yeah. technologically brilliant ones. There's mm-hmm. the ones that made me feel the best. There's the mm-hmm. ones that I have because I love them. That's why I have them. Or there's just one that's really fun. So people get a bit crestfallen when the same sentence you go, yeah, Bugatti Veyron was great, but a Dacia Duster is really good. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, that's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I've ever driven a Bugatti. I'm a bit jealous now. It was, it was very fun and very fast. I can't remember how how fast we went uh, within the speed limit, officer. It was cool. Oh, of course, mm-hmm. it's a good day. Good day. Dacia Duster, though, amazing, and really? ob- obviously one of one of my top five. Not just because I'm hosting a Morgan podcast. Is a well, it's, it's actually two Morgans in it. Uh, Morgan Aero Coupe, because it's like the Batmobile. And a cab yeah. driver in central London told me I was the coolest man in the city that night. And when a cabbie tells you, that's then, it. That is you. You take that and you run with that. Yeah. A, a, a cab driver in the middle of London was like, you're the coolest man in town tonight, mate. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And the other is three-wheeler uh, for precisely the same yep. reasons that, that, that you guys love it because you don't have to go fast to have fun. Yeah, uh, exactly. Mine is sadly under a cover, waiting, <laughs> waiting for the lockdown to lift so I can go to Sainsbury's in style. You can still go to... I mean, Craig went to, to our local Tesco in Old Red because there's no rule on what you can go in. That is ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> that is amazing anyway the aim shaw top five top five cars we can't say top car what is your favorite car because as we as we have discussed it could be it depends on the situation so top five okay top five um favorite would probably have to still be the mini classic mini like just little go-karts which are so much fun um so yeah that's number one uh number two i bloody love the volvo amazon 
I think, or the Volvo Amazon estate, just as like a pootling around like family car to go on road trips in, I think is just a great fun. Um, Volvo P1800, I think Ooh. is the underrated beauty of its time. I think it's so cool. And I got to drive one on my birthday a couple of years ago and yeah, just wicked, wicked machine. It would be too obvious to say a Ferrari 250 GTO. It's definitely one of my favourite cars to have photographed, um, but also because I got to hang out with my dad on the day. He was my my shoot driver from the tracking car and he bunked off work to join me. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I have fond memories with that with that car. Um, I've not actually said any new car on here yet. I should probably try and think of a new car. It's it, it's 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 whatever you fancy. It's your top five. Your as you said earlier, classic cars are your jam. So if that's your jam, then yeah. Oh, final car. Um, oh, I don't know. Let me think. I have, this is a problem. I have so many. You must have loads as well that you just think, oh, I couldn't. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. So number five is a funny one. A Ford Puma. <laughs> I owned one of these for years. And honestly, I have such a soft spot for it. If I got one now, I'd probably buy it and either race it or rally it. Um... But yeah, if I could, any car, like it's probably a thousand pound less for Puma would be my thing. <laughs> uh, so Amy Short, before we let you go, how can people see your work? How can they get in touch with you if they have jobs or requests or anything like that? How can, how can we get hold of you? Okay, so get hold of me. Um, I, you can email me on amy at com, which is a funny thing because I say this and then I have to spell out my own surname. So it's amy at com. <laughs> um, otherwise, yeah, Instagram's a great place to drop me a message. I regularly check it. Um, so my Instagram handle is at photography. Easy to remember, just really long. And then I am on Twitter, but I don't really ever use it. So <laughs> it's probably not the best way to, to see me, which is, uh, I think I'm Amy Splat on that. Uh, well, so if if you want to get if you want to find Amy on on a on a social media she doesn't use, feel free to go to Twitter. Anyway, Amy Shaw, thank you so much for your time. It's been hugely appreciated. I look forward to seeing what comes out after lockdown. These images from the yes. Arctic Circle in in a year. Um, yep. And uh, I'm now going to have a scroll through your Instagram and have a look at work of days gone by. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon. So that was Amy Short with some pretty awesome stories and genuinely brilliant tips and tricks. I've certainly got a bit more confidence in going out and taking photos myself now. Tune in next week for another exciting guest and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your mates all about Talking Shop so more people can hear it. Until next time, goodbye. bye